You're listening to the Clonmel Junction Arts Festival podcast, which takes place from the 3rd to the 11th of July. Hello, my name is Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to the Junction Festival Theatre Programme podcast. You'll get the details of all the theatre programme on junctionfestival.com. You'll hear festival theatre memories from Ashling Kilroy and Bess Hughes. We have interviews today with Pat Kinnifan, Eva Mahoney, Amy Hill and Fanula Gaiax. But first, we're going to get an overview of the theatre programme from festival director Clean Amar now. Kleena, you're very welcome to the podcast today. I'm very excited about this one because we're talking about an amazing theatre programme that you have this year. So maybe you might just give us a quick overview. The first one, I suppose, is that 2050. Yeah, so 2050 is just, I mean, it's a great show. And I remember when I saw it last year in the Fringe Festival, I was just amazed that, you know, Fanula and Dan Colley managed to put together something so creative and innovative via Zoom. You know, it's great. Um, and the special guest, we, we talked about this a lot. You know, we talked about the, the kind of if the special guest is an actor or a performer, the danger is, is that they act too much. Yeah, but then yeah. again, you don't want somebody who's really shy and who gets tongue tied. So I kind of went through a lot of different possibilities uh, in my head and I came up with what I think is a great choice. So we have asked and he has agreed Evan Hickey of the Bullet and the Bunker. Wow. Oh, that's brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's, you know, he's not, not afraid of a challenge (laughs) and he has stepped up and is going to be the guest in 2050. Uh, So I'd encourage everybody to, to tune into that, to get a ticket for that. It's just, it's a super show. And as I always say, everything, just junctionfestival.com, all the information. Junctionfestival.com. That is where you will find everything. (laughs) Yeah. And so the theater this year, I mean, it's, it's like, I'm so delighted that we have this great lineup of theatre um, and you know you'll be talking more next week or the week after about some of the kind of the theatrical trails that we're doing but um, in terms of theatre in the dome we have 2050 and we have the amazing Pat Kinavan who you've also talked to who's just a great friend of the festival and so popular with Clamel audiences and he's he's really fond of performing here you know um, so he's here with his 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 play before and again, it's just it's great to have Fishamble back for the 20th anniversary because we've we've had so much great work from them here over the years, you know, um, and we will have them here again. Uh, so it's nice to get them to introduce them to the dome and say, right, lads, what, what, what can you come back with in the future? Um, and then I suppose one of my really strong, I suppose, programming principles is that the junction of the title should be about bringing people here, but also staging the people who are already here, you know, and providing a platform. And in that area, we've got, you know, two sets of performers that have a history with the festival. So in my first festival, um, uh, down the hill rabbit, or down the rabbit hole, down the hill, down the rabbit, <laughs> rabbit hole theatre company with Amy Hill and James Whelan did uh, just a, an absolutely cracking performance of the play too. Um, and I was talking to them last year and, and we were talking about, you know, what they were doing and what their plans were. And they kind of said, oh, well, we, we've written something. So like, oh, great. What have you written? And it's just, I mean, I'm, you've heard from Amy about it. It's a lovely piece. It really yeah. suits both of their talent sets. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's great to have them back doing that. And it's great to have people, you know, from here writing and performing theatre. And I suppose when you talk about people from here writing and performing, you know, Eva Mahoney jumps to mind because her bold Bridget Cleary was a very fond memory from the 2018 festival for a lot of people. She was to premiere um, the Peg Plunkett piece in... 2020 festival and of course that did not happen so we're delighted that she is here performing it in the dome um having her her dome premiere uh in in the 2021 festival so all that and more fergal <laughs> down at kick and barracks we have an audio installation so again it's directed by jack reardon it'll be a theatrical um a theatrical piece by audio and Jack is also directing Collins Hall. And again, we'll talk about that more in the future because they'll be here re- rehearsing it the week before the festival. Um, so I think we've got, a, you know, we've got a lot of variety. We've a lot of different things for people to dip the toe into. Um, all of them will be live streamed. All of them will be available digitally. Unfortunately, before will only be digital because it is the night before the 5th of July when we are hoping fingers crossed, everything's crossed, uh, when we're hoping that the government will allow indoor audiences again. The festival is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year and it's always had a great programme for theatre, bringing international plays into Clonmel. And here is Bess Hughes and Ashton Kilroy sharing some memories from those great theatre plays. So what, there was a couple of fabulous plays down through the years. There was one I there was one in Chadwick's, I remember Bound. You probably saw it as well. It was about um fishing boat. And, and the only props they had was Wellingtons and those oil skins and a table and a lamp. It was amazing. I remember that. And there was another one, the Singria tree. They, it was based in Africa. It was about apartheid. It was brilliant. And I think they were South African that the the uh, actors can't remember what nationality they were now, but they were suited. It was just an amazing play. You know, it just stays in your mind. I loved um, Julie Sharkey is a great actress and David brought her in and put her into Hickey's and Hickey's became this little intimate theatre space. Um, where you could have a little glass of wine, some supper, and then she would take you on this adventure. She had a couple of plays. She had um, the, the last one she did was um, three three fat the three fat women of Um Yeah, and again, it was just an hour, and you were transported somewhere totally different. And she was she played all the parts and. Again, just fantastic. And as I say, the adventure of being in a space that you were used to going in, getting your coffee or, you know, but here you were being transported somewhere else. And I think that's, you know, the amazing thing about it. Swan Lake was another one that came in more recently, which was an extraordinary feat to bring to Clonmel. And again, using the barracks as a a new venue that People who are from Clonmel would know well, but those of us who are more recent arrivals have probably never been there. So that was a fantastic. Now we are going to hear from Fanula, who stars in the online play 2050. The programme gives very little away, so I'm not too sure how much you can tell us. Is it sort of a 
secret thing or how does it work? The show uh, is a different show every night. We're only doing one performance in Clonmel, but the idea is that every show is completely different. So uh, the show takes the form, uh, broadly speaking, of an interview between myself and then a different guest performer for every performance. And we try to kind of line up you know, really diverse list of guests and um, the whole show is improvised. So we don't really know what's gonna happen and I don't know what questions I'm gonna ask. And the audience kind of influence the show a lot as well because they kind of gradually get a little bit more involved as the performance goes on. But as well, the guest has a huge impact in how the show progresses and, you know, what kind of themes come up and stuff like that and with the kind of energy of the show. So. Each show is, uh, yeah, it's it's really different experience and it can be quite scary as the performer, as in for me. Mm. Um, but it's really exciting because you get to know someone that you didn't know before on quite an intimate level. And um, so, yeah, we've won performance in Clonmel on the 5th of July and we, we have our guest confirmed who's great and is someone who I think Clonmel will know quite well and will be really excited by. We will be announced. So that must be very tough for you. Every night you're at your ad-libbing or spontaneous every night. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. The five minutes, well, maybe the hour before we go live, I'm going, why have we, why have we made this show? <laughs> this is so hard. Um, but then I suppose when you're in the moment, it's really about everyone being present, I suppose. And that's really what theatre is about, is being there in the room and in the moment. And I suppose last year during the pandemic, we weren't able to kind of be in a physical room together. So I suppose our attempt is to try and create that kind of connection with one another via um, the on online performance. And, you know, it, for us, it was very much an experiment, especially last year when this sort of work was really in its infancy to see like, well, can people connect or do people want to connect with one another in this kind of a way and it's of course quite different than if we were all sitting together in a you know in a dark room but there are similarities that I suppose we've tried to maintain that kind of spontaneity and frisson I suppose that you would have in a live theatre and the kind of sense that there's a risk that things could go wrong like I could not be able to think of a question or you know lots of things can kind of not, not completely be a disaster, but it, it feels a little bit like walking a tightrope, which is kind of good and bad. <laughs> yeah, do you know what, that that really, um, for me going to plays, that's part of the whole thing, you know, it's, it's that tension and it being live and what's going to happen. That's the difference, you know, it's never the same watching a play on TV, you know, it's that live yeah. element. Yeah, and so we've tried to, that's sort of why we made this show specifically um, and and the form of it being improvised was important to try and because obviously, you know, we're not, we weren't able to be in the room and we're only now kind of, things are kind of reopening. And um, so we wanted to create that kind of tension, um, but via this online form, because it's all we could do. But then we found actually it's quite an exciting thing because, you know, you're seeing everyone in their own homes and, um, you know, it's, it's, we've, we did it in the Dublin Fringe last year and we did, I think, I don't know, 15 performances or something. And each show is just completely and utterly different and special in its own way. Um, but yeah, very live. <laughs> so the play is 2050 and the details are on the junctionfestival.com website. And it's the 5th of July. So can't wait for that. Oh, great. Yeah, looking forward to it. Can't wait for the audience to come along.
Jammed restaurants, packed beaches and queues for queues. No thanks. Isn't the point of a getaway to, you know, get away? So, here's the inside tip. With the Golden Vale, incredible hiking, two blueways and gorgeous lakeside villages, Tipperary has it all. Visit the Mitchellstown Caves, walk the Knockmeal Downs or explore the Butler Trail. Take it easy while uncovering ancient castles and hidden secrets. Tipperary is unspoilt and waiting for you. Visit Tipperary.com. Supported by the Tipperary LCDC Under the Leader Programme. Now we have an extended interview with that theatre legend Pat Kinnifan, who is well known to audiences in Clonmel. He's a multi-award winning, a Tony Award winner, and he is always great for an interview. So Pat Kinnifan now. This is so exciting to get back. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm so excited about, and particularly in Clamel, because the audiences are fantastic. I know. And you've got such a great relationship with the festival, haven't you, over the years? You've been here many times. Well, do you know what, man? I'm very, very lucky. I'm full of gratitude for it. We've built up a great relationship with the audiences down there. First of all, we went with the first show, Forgotten years ago and that went really really well and then we came back with silent the second show and then we came back with underneath um and this is the first time we're going to bring well this is the first time we're going to bring before to junction white memorial hall amazing for all the shows you know yeah we we did the trilogy down there in the White Memorial Hall as well. Uh, we did the three of them one night after the other. That was amazing. That just every time we went, the audiences would grow, Fergal. And what I loved about it really was each time we go down there, the you could hear like I'd be backstage in 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 the White Memorial, and you could hear the audiences coming in. Because of the old nature of the theatre there, you could hear them coming in and the seats going up and the seats going down and the chatting, like the chat, constant natter. And then afterwards, I would normally have somebody outside. uh, There'd always be somebody really, really kind from the festival with a car or it would be the stage manager. And I'd usually go back straight to the hotel after the show and wash because they're very physical pieces. So I'd, I'd sneak out the side door of the White Memorial and I'd run into a car and the audience would be all over the street yeah. just chatting away after the after the show. It was just, you know, that's my huge memory of all of the, all of the junctions was that kind of audience, uh, audience-centred festival. And what's that like being on, you know, hearing the crowd and the cheers before you go on? Like, that's like before going on and before a match. It reminds you of Brian O'Driscoll talking about the first Lions match where they could hear the crowd through the stadium. They were below the grounds, you know. It must be amazing. That's, ama- that's an amazing. I, I never knew that. And I never thought of it that way. But actually, it's a really <laughs> good way of putting it. It's, it is like you are. I, I kind of always feel as if you know when before the show I don't get nervous uh Fergal I I kind of banished that years ago I used to as a young man but now I kind of I relish like the opportunity to be able to work and to be, and and I I live on gratitude so when I have the the gig I just want to give the best 
evening to the audience. I understand myself. I understand what it's like to commit to go to theatre, to book the ticket, number one, to put the time aside, to uh, to wash yourself, mm -hmm. to get car parking, to get babysitters, all those things. It's a, it's a big commitment. And so my part of the bargain always is, is to try and give the best kind of match that I can give, the best game that I can give physically and vocally and everything else. So, yeah, th th that chatter beforehand is really important because it kind of it gives you a lift and it gives you it, it gives you a kind of a, a purpose and a sense of anticipation that you really want to you just want to give people value for money as well. Do you know what I mean? And entertainment and and and. And then afterwards in, in Clonmel, when you see them on everywhere on the street, chatting and strolling and going out for something to eat after the show or going for a pint and a chat. And I suppose a kind of a post-mortem really of what they've seen, you know, the, the junction audiences are so diverse. I mean, what I love about it is that you've got you've got a more mature audience and then you've got a really vibrant young audience. Um, you've got a teenage audience, you've got a mid-30s, 40s. It's so diverse. And, and that's what that's why I love returning down there because it's that sort of uh it's a festival for everybody and it reflects that. Um and it I think it nurtures that, which is really important in a town. You know, um I think it's something I'm very aware of. Like when I was a teenager. Stephen Rhea came to my, I live from Ennis in County Clare and Stephen Rhea right. came and he did uh, Oscar Wilde in a, playing Oscar Wilde in a, in a play in the school hall. And I remember being blown away by it. So, you know, for teenagers or people that in a, in a town outside Dublin, going to see a play like yours can often be the first time they've ever seen something like that. Yeah, I, that's a, that's a brilliant point, Fergal, because um, it is, it's important. Um, look, I, I, it's, it's one of those things, like I am very humble about what I do, but sometimes you have to call it out and say, I, I, I'm, I would, if, if I was a plumber, I'd be a good plumber, right? <laughs> that's, that's the way it is. So I, I have to give myself a certain amount of, uh, I have to rate myself and say, Pat, go out and do the best you can by. Yeah. But I know that it's curated so well, the junction, so that people, they don't, uh, you know, that, that first experience in theatre, the first experience of a live music or the first experience of street theatre and all that, it's very important that there is a, that it's, that it's, uh, it's chosen well and that it is, it sits within the remit of the festival because it can affect somebody's cultural view for the rest of their life it, that that formative experience if they see if they see a shite play it can put them off theater for the rest of their lives do you know That's what i mean true, yeah. or if they see a, a, a shite band playing you know what i mean uh, so it's it's important that there is a it's not so much standard it's 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 got to do with i suppose that there is a kind of a uniformity of quality in the festival and every time I've gone down there and seen all the stuff like from 
right through the day that's occurring during the day. There's always a kind of a uniformity and it's a, a people striving, even though, you know, I try my best. Like sometimes I don't hit the mark at all, but <laughs> you, you, you're striving all the time to do your best as a performer, you know. And, you know, like when you did the trilogy, is there a different reaction or a different crowd each night? That must be very uh, interesting. Like for you, you know, do you notice that? Or are you aware of the crowd and the reaction? That's a lovely question. Um, what I noticed, and particularly in, in uh, Clamel, was that a lot of people booked the same seats for the three nights. <laughs> yes. So you'd see the same couples or the same family or the same gang of uh, young people in that area. Or then other nights, there would be a completely different crowd, like, you know, in, in that section of the theatre. And, and like White Memorial, as you know, White Memorial looks small inside, but it holds something like 220 people. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a monster of, of a venue because it has that sort of, you're sealed in, and I remember the heat in there was like uh, of some of the hot summers. <laughs> like we had to, we had to leave the door, the front door open, mm -hmm. and to the and and the side passage to leave some air circulate. But I think a lot of the body heat that people brought in was in a way because they were walking around all day and they're taking in gigs on the street or down by the arches. It's amazing, and people are bringing in the heat. But it's also that thing of. I always feel that when an audience is like that, that there's a kind of a passion in the audience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that they're yeah. kind of, their hearts are beating and they're giving off that heat and they're giving off an energy. And so that place is a kind of a, that place is, is a, it's a kind of a thumping heart of a place. Do you know what I mean? Like it, when, when you do a show in there, by God, there, everyone's hanging on. I am hanging on their yeah. response and they're hanging on every word. Do you know what I mean? And do you feed off the audience? Like I heard an interview this week with Andrew Scott and he was saying that he can notice if people are coughing or shuffling and he might speed up or slow down depending. He said he directs himself during a performance, which I thought was really interesting. Well, it's nice to hear you mention Andrew Scott. I, I, I as as a young man, he's younger than me, but as a young man, I, I remember he, uh, watching Andrew in the Abbey when he was starting off there, and by God, he made such an impression. He's just a fine, wonderful, wonderful Irish actor, like uh, just, and has gone on to do great things, but he, from the very start, um, you're talking there, like, that's kind of Maserati style, kind of like amazing vintage yeah. uh, guy who's who's meant was meant to be on the the stage and and yeah. amazing guy uh, and and a wonderful person as well. Um, but yeah, um, the uh, yeah he's absolutely right. It's it's you you I I didn't bring up the the, the car analogy for, for I, I, it just accidentally <laughs> but you, you do have to change gear constantly when, when you've got an audience like that you you're constantly changing gear you're constantly gauging the from an audience reaction you're kind of going okay I have to I have to color this now if if it was color if it was color by numbers you have to go from orange and then you go oh my god I thought I was going to go to red but now I have to go to green because if if, if I react too much here it's going to give away this or uh, 
they're in for the I, I always kind of feed off the energy you kind of go oh this crowd now are slow burners so I have to kind of we have to feed this information this exposition of the story very very carefully here or then other times they're way way ahead of you like the audience is an animal and it's like you have to catch up with the audience you know because most of the time like I always knew I, I always knew, you know, even entering the profession, like I'm, I'm at a 32 years now, but I always knew that from even being an audience member as a teenager myself, that the audience are always ahead of the performer. They're always way, way ahead. It, the, the performer really is the one that that's in, he's in the Circus Maximus, like he's out there. You're, you're, you're gladiator territory there. You have to really battle your way to, for, to, to get any sort of... Um, you have to, to 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 get to get them on your side, to get the story, uh, the story told in its best possible form. You're you're fighting battles there, and it's a good battle, you know. Uh, it's a, it's a kind of a it, it's a it's a love battle. You want to love them, and you want them to love you, and they want you to love them. You know what I mean? It's 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 because people want that human exchange. Really, they want that. They want that communication, and they want to feel that their heart has been turned inside out, and they and that they, they in all sorts of ways, in a glorious way, and in in a tragic way. So it is. It, it, Andrew is absolutely right. It's. Uh, it's almost like you you're you're conducting yourself all the time if you were all your instruments are being conducted by yourself i saw that you when you started you were in the abbey you learned from them like mick lally etc at a very early time in my career fergal i got I, I started working in peacock first and then in the abbey and i was very lucky i was so lucky it was just one of those times when I somebody spotted me and I was cast and 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 then I was cast from that play into something else so I I was at a rare kind of um crossover point between me as a young man but also watching really big like heavyweight uh career heavyweight uh abbey actors that were they were still a part of the functioning company there. Yeah. So you had the likes of the magnificent Niall Buggy, Des Cave, Clive Geraghty, Pat Levy, Joan O'Hara, you know, Fidel McCullen, um, huge, huge names, and, and Mick Lally and, and others coming in, uh, Marie Mullen coming in, you know, like, seeing all those people work Barbara Brennan um, Deirdre Donnelly I could go on and on all of those people had a had a, 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 a an absolute uh, like world class professionalism about them world class standard uh, world world class pride in the fact that they were they were working in the Abbey Theatre which did have uh, a, a world reputation, the Abbey Theatre and the Moscow Arts and, and anything in between had a standard, to, had to whip its ass to get up to the standard of the Abbey or Moscow Arts. And, and there was exchanges done 
you know, one they would come here and the Abbey would go there. And and even recently, when I was touring, um, I'm seeing images in my head of and, and hearing stories from those actors of, you know, of, of their of their, you know, the, the, how they played in rep um, and in the Abbey, how they might have been like it, they might have been in five shows or three shows, you know, at the same time. And so I got a lot of information and a lot of inspiration very, very quickly from those people. Now that those days are gone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no. um, and there's only a few remaining of the older set, but it's almost as if that, uh, that, that it was for me, it felt, oh God, it felt so special because I was able to hear those stories and then to watch them on the rehearsal room floor and to see how they used the rehearsal room floor like just like, a, I suppose, like an ice rink, really. They're just amazing movers and amazing vocal ability and dexterity. Um, and that's their, that was their years and years of craft and craft and craft and maybe starting as spear carriers in something and then going on to play, exactly. you know, to play the classic roles. Um, and funnily enough, years later, Fergal, uh, I, I went with the amazing Fish Amble. I've been touring now for 15 years with my solo pieces. And I remember going to Bulgaria. We did a, a tour of Bulgaria. We toured the national theatres of Bulgaria. And um, I remember going to one of them in particular, which was in South Bulgaria in Smullian. And I remember the players coming up to me and they couldn't speak English, but one of them had kind of pidgin English. And she said, oh, and she was crying. And she was saying, oh, the Irish, the Irish act that we remember. Um, and they remembered they remembered Irish Company and the Abbey, and they remembered the gate, and they knew everything about the Abbey and about the gate and McLeamore and Hilton Edwards. And, you know, I was kind of, I was so moved that this place so far away respected Irish theatre so much. And we mustn't forget that. Like, we, we are a force to be reckoned with a very humble force to be reckoned with, but we have a natural capability and, uh, and I suppose, ability to be able to tell stories from right in the middle of our chests, right out. Like it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful gift that can't be taken for granted, but we must always remember, we must never forget our legacy of theatre and how how it started with the Abbey and how it started as a kind of a revival of Irish culture and how we ought to still respect that and reflect Irish society in the way that it should be reflected. But uh, yeah, in, in Junction, what I love is seeing, you see families out, kids with their parents, kids with their grandparents, teenagers, all, all, sections of society strolling through the main street strolling through the arches going into the bakeries going into hickeys i love hickeys like it's amazing and uh, going in taking something out or sitting in there having a coffee um coffee chats 
uh, people if and then going by maybe hopping into Heaton's or hopping into you know Dunn's or whatever uh, getting something bring you can see people coming into the theater with bags they've been shopping before they've gone yeah. doing that you know there's there's a kind of a mood it's bringing people into the town and it's not just the the festival they're going to they're they're having a meal as I said they're having a pint they're having a coffee they're just that 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 uh that it's 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 almost like a, an absolute it's like a dance you know people are just moving constantly through laughing talking sitting out in the street having a, a lunch a bowl of soup all of those things are so important because it connects us all together so we then realize that everything every industry is helping every other industry through that meeting point the junction to the meeting point of community and the arts so tell us can you tell us about your play a little bit a little bit about um before i certainly can fergal um and it's a pleasure to talk about it before was um uh it premiered um in uh 2018 um it it did a tour uh, the Strollers Network tour, which is an amazing, amazing network. Um, it's my fourth piece, um, produced by the amazing Fishamble and directed by Jim Cullerton, who directed all of my pieces. Um, genius man. Um, before it's been a long time coming, I've been working hard enough for years. So 2018, we started off uh, touring and we've been touring since two, 2019 and then just at the end at the start of the last year bang finished but that's we accept that um our last we were touring internationally in 2019 and our last foreign trip was los angeles so we played uh there for a month mm -hmm. and um we've had an extraordinary time but it's still a young show so it, it was kind of interrupted by that nasty uh, virus so so we're still growing with it it's a play that is about a, a, a farmer from leash um, his name is Pontius um, he is a guy who hasn't seen his daughter since she was four years of age she's now 21 um it's set in Cleary's before on the day that Cleary's uh, department store uh, iconic department store in Dublin closed in June 2015 um, he goes into Cleary's to buy a present for his daughter who he's about to meet um, the circumstances of his um of his separation from his daughter is that he is an alienated parent. Uh, the mother um, has just cut the father, him, out of the child's life. And I, it's dedicated to one of my best friends who's gone through that for a long, long time now. Um, so it's about it's about parental alienation, uh, and it's it's not it's um, it could apply to a woman or a man. I, it's a very important thing for me to uh, to get out there. I believe there's a lot of children that are being um, kept away from uh, wonderful parents in the country through no fault of their own. Um, so I wanted to talk about this and air it in public 
Um, it also is an homage to Hollywood musicals, believe it or not. So there's, it's, it's uh, the whole piece is uh, performed, um, it's sang, it's danced. Um, the RT Concert Orchestra recorded the soundtrack. It's an original soundtrack, so it's going to sound amazing in the Geodome. I can't wait to hear the sound of it. So you get the show, but you get the added bonus of hearing an orchestra as well. Wow. Um, and it is choreographed by the amazing and sadly very late and missed Emma O'Kane. Um, and her work in it is sublime. The choreography is meticulous. Um, and uh, we were very lucky that because there's there's a, a lot of uh, I suppose a kind of a, a salute to the amazing Gene Kelly and um, he, his wife Patricia Kelly who lives in Los Angeles she was so helpful to us even over there in promoting uh, the show over there and um, has been amazing to us um, and uh, yeah it's it's just been a pleasure to do. It's a big, big belter of a show. Um, and I look forward to every time I perform, I look forward to giving my best to the audience. It's a roller coaster. It's very funny as well. Um, and yeah, you, you can love musicals or hate musicals and you'll enjoy it. Now we hear from Amy Hill who has a premiere at this year's festival, The Estate. The Estate, is it's a yeah. world premiere. Am I right in saying that? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. This is our first, this is our debuting of, of the play. So, so exciting. So it's going to be on the 7th of July at 6.30 and the details as usual on the Junction Festival, junctionfestival.com website. Exactly. So that must be great. Have, have you yeah. been working on this for a while? Yeah, I've uh, been working on it. Um, wrote the play two years ago, but then and had all sorts of plans, of course, uh, once it was written to take it on the road. And then, of course, coronavirus happened yeah. and it just seemed like it was never going to happen. It just was going on and on and on. But then Clean Amar was really pushing to get something up and running for this July and it it kind you know it got us back into rehearsal and gave us a goal and you know a date hmm. to work for it so really we've been putting an awful lot of effort an awful lot of work into it now since since January and that's yourself and James years. Whelan that's it yeah yeah and so the two and I've seen many plays with both of you you've worked together for many years haven't you many years um I started down the rabbit hole in 2009 and um Actually, you played quite a big role in it, Fergal. If you remember, you gave us the back bar and O'Keefe's to rehearse and to stage the plays. And that, I mean, that that was really great for us. And we staged quite a number of plays mm. in O'Keefe's. And uh, then as with all companies, you know, people head off to college or they get married and they have babies and it really dwindled down to just James and I. Yeah. So we did two by Jim Cartwright. That was our first production, just the two of us together. And it went extremely well, yeah. extremely well. 
So we kind of thought, look, both of us have it in us to write our own material, write our own play. Let's let's now like it's now or never. So let's put our heads together. And is there something yeah. you can tell us about it? Absolutely, yeah. So the estate is the whole play is set in like a council estate. Any the regular council estate that you see in any in any town in Ireland and we take one row of houses and we visit the sitting room of each house and we, we, we have a look at like seven houses in a row. So there's a whole world happening in each house and you're like, it's like a, a 10 minute view into this sitting room and the next person's sitting room, the next person's sitting room. And it's kind of like each house has a very individual story, individual relationship and uh, whatever the, the conflict could be in this house. But the whole idea is that when you live in an estate, no matter how much you would you try to keep your life private, your neighbours do impact everything that you do. You, you know, their music comes in through the walls or every time you go out your front garden, you got the an elderly couple staring at you and kind of keeping note of what you're doing. And it actually came from the experience myself myself and my partner a few years ago before we bought a house we had to find places to rent around Clonmel and like oh you would be brought to like a house and it would be you know mold growing up the walls and paper thin walls and you know the rent was extortionate and I've just been in that, had that experience time and time and time and time again. So I thought like, I think this is something people will really relate to, you know, that someone is out in their back garden and there might be just reading a book and relaxing. And then the house behind them, there's a fight going on. It's like, oh my God, like, you know, (laughs) how you can never really have privacy in an estate. So we have like, seven houses in a row and we we get to see what's happening in each house but the through line of the play that connects all the houses together is that someone in the estate is terrorizing the whole community by their graffiti in the walls their egging windows they're leaving bags of dog poop on the doorstep and it's affecting everybody it's driving everybody mad so there's also this through line in it of who's doing this who's doing this to us and just everybody is kind of um, bonded by that common experience that one of them is terrorizing the whole community. Yeah, and it's it's comedy. This is a comedy. There is, we wanted something high comedy. So, cause I think people needed it after mm. lockdown. They needed to go and have a laugh. So I there's think, a message there, but not to take it too seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think people are really relate to that, particularly in lockdown, everyone was living together. Finally, we're going to finish now with Eva Mahoney, who's from Tipperary. And first, she's being introduced by Clean Amar. Eva Mahoney with the Bold Bridge of Cleary, she blew me away. You know, she's like, I, I've gotten to know Eve since. And she's, it's really, she has, the, she has that thing that is called a stage presence. She has this slightly mesmerizing quality as a performer. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, yeah, she's great. She's great and she's homegrown. I, I love the, the, yours really jumps out. The title is brilliant for your play. 
Yeah, it was. It's the it's second title. The first title uh, was a bit too risque, which is a bit ironic, kind of considering the the content of the play. But um, so you're on, you're going to be on on the eighth of July in the Dome, isn't that right? You wrote it yourself, is that right? I did. Um, uh, it was. It's my second play. My first play, Bridget Cleary, um, was also premiered at the Junction in 2018, and that went really well. And it's toured since. And this has done a, a couple of shows since, like a, a part of it aired last year. But uh, this will be the reimagining of it, if you. And can you tell us a little bit about the story? What can you get right, away? So, um, it. Like my first play, it's based on a real life um, woman who lived in 18th century Dublin, um, 18th century Ireland, actually. And she was from a land gentry from that kind of background. And um, but then her life went totally awry and she ended up being um, one of the most infamous courtesans in Dublin. Yeah, so um, she had a very happy childhood. She was one of 22 children. Yeah. <laughs> like a village. Yeah, nine children herself, but they all um, they all died. Wow. Um, yeah, so, but of her and the 22 children, only like eight siblings survived. So, and then her mother died and when she was a teenager around 14, 15. Then her father, I think, suffered a mental breakdown. And then the family was taken over by her brother, who was extremely abusive and he used to beat her quite badly. So she was sent to stay with her sister. And then she fell in love with a man who seduced her. She became pregnant. She ran away with him to Dublin. Uh, He left her. Um, The child died. She met up with another couple of fellas. they all kind of kind of had their time together, and then she met the love of her life, who left her after five years, and then she decided to throw caution to the wind and open a brothel, and it became she was very much um kind of a party girl, but back in the 18th century, and then she gave it all up because her conscience got the better of her. And she wrote her memoirs because people were paying her money in her IOUs. And so then uh, they became, that's how she became so famous. It's like a, a tell-all, wow. a kiss and tell. And uh, <laughs> so then uh, one night she was around in her 50s, 60s. You see, her date of birth is very shaky. <laughs> Um, but uh, she was in her 50s, 60s, and she was crossing the Phoenix Park with a friend of hers, and she was uh, attacked, um, brutally attacked, um, and they were infected with syphilis and died shortly after in poverty. Wow. mm. Amazing life. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, but like it's not all tragic, so kind of don't worry about it. How How would you describe the play as in its style? It's it's a body kind of thing. There are serious parts in it, but it is not all doom and gloom because, mm. like, nobody really wants to see that. Um, you know, they want to go to theatre to like. I I love history personally. I've always been kind of a history mm. nerd, and I love hearing about Irish history in particular, especially kind of interesting Irish women because they don't get a really good uh, 
Yeah. Especially, you know, former courses, they don't really get much publicity. There is an autobiography and she has her own um, memoirs, which I've read, which are really good, really, really good. She was a really good writer. She was an excellent writer. Yeah. Excellent. And um, she had a lovely, eloquent way about her, whether it's the way that people spoke in those days, but it's much better than now. And uh, I just kind of... I've always had an interest in uh, Irish history and Irish women in history, you know, and all the kind of the Bridgets and the Pegs. Um, they're just like women who were normal women, but they changed history in their own way. But they were feminist icons, I think, because mm. like back to my first play, Bridget Cleary, she was, she's probably best known as being burned because she was a witch by her husband, Michael Cleary, in Tipperary. Uh, but she was very, prior to that, she was very independent, very uh, forthright woman who believed in her own kind of success in her own career. Same goes for Peg Plunkett. She was a very good businesswoman. Like, she spent a lot of money much of the time, but she was quite wealthy for most of her life, um, except when she was uh, acceptable. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Just a reminder now that we'll have another episode out next Thursday and all details on the festival are on junctionfestival.com. Clonmel Junction Arts Festival, which takes place from the 3rd to the 11th of July.